Titus. So Paul writing to two sons in the Lord and uh, looking at various things in relation to leadership. Tonight I have, a, it's very, very simple uh, because I want to close out with, with just two verses and really the focus is on one particular verse, but verse number six of 2 Timothy chapter one sets that verse up. And uh, Paul writes to Timothy and said, this is why I remind you to fan into flames. For those of you that have older translations, it would be stir up within you. Fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. So Paul, something has happened, something that Timothy understands. It's a part of his story that Paul has laid his hands upon him and there's some kind of a calling, some maybe what we would call a calling or a spiritual gift. Um, it does not seem like Paul is alluding to the spiritual gifts of 1 Corinthians, but rather something particular in who Timothy is and what he's supposed to be doing, um, and he's to stir that up. Now, what's interesting to me is that's the context to which Paul then says four. So when the word four in verse number seven comes, that then tells me that that's in contrast to what has just been said. Somehow stirring up the spiritual gift that God gave Timothy when Paul laid his hands upon him needed a counterpoint. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity but of power, love, and self-discipline. Power, love, and self-discipline. Now, we are notorious for quoting this verse and this verse alone. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and sound mind. And that's fine. I don't have any problem with that. But the context of this and the specific application of this within this letter to a young leader was Timothy, as you stir up the spiritual gift that was given to you by God at the laying on of my hands. And I'm kind of reading that through a lens of that there is a, this plays some kind of role in Timothy's leadership. This, this plays some kind of component in Timothy taking his place within the body. And clearly, as we've learned across these two months, the letters being written to him and the instructions being given, Paul views Timothy as a leader and, in fact, instructs him to be careful not to allow others that just because he's young that he is not a leader. Because leadership is not contingent upon age. You may mature in wisdom and you may gain more influence as age goes along, but leadership is not about how others receive you. It is about how you carry yourself. You cannot control everyone else, but you can take control of self. And so it seems that Timothy's gift and the stirring of it up or the fanning into flames of the spiritual gift, Paul anticipates that this is going to cause Timothy some consternation. It's going to give him pause. There's going to be attaching to him a spirit of fear or of timidity. Paul says, God's not given us that. When that comes up, Timothy, that's not from God. But instead, God has given us power, and you could read this, a spirit of power, 
and a spirit of love and a spirit of, in this translation, self-discipline. To lead is to be at risk. I alluded to it this morning. If you do not want any risk, do not lead. The problem is, is that God may have called you to lead, and now you're in a pickle. Because on the one hand, you don't want to lead, and on the other hand, God has called you to lead. And again, remember, first lesson in this series, leadership is about influence. Leadership is about how you carry yourself, and leadership is not about an office. Leadership is about how you carry yourself within your family. Leadership is about husbands and wives speaking to one another and to their children. Leadership is about friends speaking to friends. Leadership is about how we carry ourselves with regard to our families. And yes, faithfulness over those little things will lead to leadership in other areas. I have long told you that I watch all the little things because the little things tell me about the big things. I hope you don't think I'm creepy. I'm not peeking through your windows. But I am watching Apostle Paul tells us that we are epistles read of all men. People are reading you, whether they tell you they are or they aren't. They are reading you. They're watching you. They're seeing how you carry yourself. They're seeing what you do when you're faced with opposition. They're seeing what you do when you blow it. The next time you blow it and you're sitting there thinking, how can I minimize this? Do not do that. Lean into it. You say, just keep blowing it? No. Lean into it. Take full ownership and make it right. People know that humans aren't perfect. Don't you know you're not perfect? Well, that was a little weak. You all full of pride or do I need to get a little more affirmation there? You do know you're not perfect, right? All right. So I, I know. Thank you, Samantha. Rachel gets you involved and you're getting all loud. Anyway. No, we're not perfect. People know you're not perfect, but you have to lean into that. You have to own that. And they're watching, okay, what's he going to do now? What's she going to do now when you've blown it? But leading places you in risk. You have to take chance. There is no sure thing. And what's crazy is, is that God says, by the way, you will never please me without faith. And does everybody remember what the definition of faith is? Faith is things you can't see. Faith is things you hope for. So you talk about non-guaranteed. If you're leading within God's church, it means that you're going to be taking risks. You don't have a guarantee that the person you share the gospel with will respond. You don't have a guarantee when you stand up and your wife's got a bad attitude and you say, that's not Christian, that she's going to handle that okay. You don't have a guarantee that when you look at your husband and say, you have got an attitude that is not of God, that he's going to deal with that right. Sorry. There's no guarantees. There's no guarantee that when you order your children, that they will actually be obedient. Now, the deck's stacked. Do they like to eat? Do they like clothes? Do they like to sleep? I mean, you got a lot of tools if you'll use them. 
I told my children, the government says that I have to feed you and clothe you and give you schooling. It didn't say how good the food was. It didn't say that you had to have multiple sets of clothing. And it didn't have what kind of schooling it was. So you know what? Bedroom doors, they don't have to be there. Beds, there's nothing requirement. I'll put a mattress on the floor. Multiple clothes, no, no. I'll give you two sets, one to wear and one to wash while you're getting the next one going. And I won't tell you which ones, but multiples of my children have dealt with that discipline before. Everything that's theirs is mine. I own it. Period. No, no discussion about it. Now, if Vincent behaves himself, he can leave the house with that phone and that computer that I purchased him. But if he doesn't, I just got me an old phone, which is useless, and a computer that's not useless. So you don't have any guarantees. I don't have a guarantee that when I cast vision to this congregation that you're going to follow. I don't. You could throw a fit. I don't have any guarantee. Leadership is risky. And whatever it was, and I think it was private. I think Paul purposely does not tell us the details because it's Timothy's business. We don't, we don't have a right to that knowledge. But whatever it is, like all of us, whatever God has called us to do, whatever he has put upon us, whatever anointing he has put upon us, when you stir that up, when you fan the flames of that, with it comes fear. Now, here's the problem with fear. Fear is an environment that will produce either fight or flight within you. When you are fearful, your body is set to release all kinds of hormones that when put together either make you put your dukes up or run away. Now, can I break some news to you? You don't lead with dukes up and you don't lead running away. Neither one of those are leadership. Neither one are leadership. The actual word, if you got very, very mechanical in the translation, the actual word there that Paul says with regard to fear is he, a leader cannot be lacking mental and moral strength. It's in your head. This is not your body. So all you jocks that have muscles that you can pop, it got nothing to do with leadership. No, this is a between your ears thing. Now, the first thing that I want you to understand is when you lead, you will face fear. The idea that I'm going to become a leader that never has fear, if somebody tells you that, they're lying. When I told you this morning that I don't fear anyone, it doesn't mean I don't experience fear. It means I don't act upon it. I don't act according to the feeling. By reason of use and discipline, I have learned how to move myself away from that place of fear and timidity. I don't open my mouth when I'm in the middle of it. I don't take action when I'm in the middle of it. Because I have learned over the years that when I do, things go very bad. Now, some of you have seen me when I am in motion, 
And for your world, you would say, dude, you're fighting. You should have seen me before I calmed down. There's no question Stephen Beardsley runs hot. No question about it. None of you ever had any question about that. And others of you, you'll run cool, so you'll have an easier time dealing with it. Your tendency is going to be to run. My tendency, put the dukes up. And understand, I'm not talking literally put the dukes up. If I literally had to put the dukes up, I'm in trouble. I don't know how to fight. I don't know how to physically fight. Come on. I don't know how to physically fight. I've never had to, and I don't plan on learning. I wear glasses, for God's sake. I mean, come on. No, I don't, I don't physically fight. But I'll find a way to skin that cat. Somebody was teasing my dad about being a little gangster, a little thuggish. Oh, it was Brother Stan teasing, teasing him about it. And he is. He's a little thuggish at times. He, he, that, that, that east side of Lansing comes out in him every once in a while. Oh, was it South Lansing? Sorry, I got the wrong one. Not East, South Lansing. So South Lansing, it comes out in him every once in a while. But I'm not convinced that it's environmental because I didn't grow up anywhere near Lansing and I can be thuggish every once in a while too. So I think there's a little biology that comes in. Now my mama, she's a little blue-eyed, sweet little lady. You wouldn't think she fights about anything. Don't you cross her at the wrong spot. Dad might bite you, but she'll claw you. Now, he's sitting there like, what are they talking about? Can I get an amen from some people that have seen his teeth before? Can I get an amen? Come on now. There's a few of you. Can, you be, can I get an amen? All right. Thank you. He got teeth, right? Yeah, that's what I thought too. I didn't think so. I know it because I felt them in my haunches before. No, so I, but, but see, leadership, you cannot be in a mental state in which you're lacking strength. And this is exactly what Paul says, because he says, you have not been given this lack of mental and moral strength, this fear and timidity. No, you've been given power. You've been given power. But here's the problem with power. Power on its own in the hands of a human will destroy. God didn't just give you power. If you are going to lead, you will have to exercise power. And it may look very different from personality to personality, but you will exercise power. I've told people all along, you want to know something about me? The points when you need to worry is not when I am, what's the word, blustering? I just keep forgetting the word. Of course, it's fun to poke fun at you too while I'm doing it. But that's not when you got to worry. When Steve's loud, when Steve's hands are waving, when Steve's eyebrows are going, that's not really when you got to worry. When I get quiet, that's when you got to worry. Why? Because when I'm just loud and blustering and all of that, it's not serious enough. I may be communicating something, but it's not serious enough. But when it gets serious, I know that that power has to be constrained by love. And it has to be guided by wisdom. Which means I have to slow down. 
It means my speech is going to slow down. It means my words are going to get very intentional. In every circumstance of leadership, is that how I want to act? Some of you are truth speakers, and I love you, okay? I'm a truth speaker too. Truth speaking is not an excuse to not lead. Somebody needs to listen to me right now, okay? By the way, <laughs> um, this lesson's been planned for like eight weeks, so if it's really hitting home for you, I'm sorry, God just must have had it in for you because it wasn't me having it in for you. It's been planned for eight weeks, okay? Series has all been right here, okay? Truth speaking is never an excuse to not operate with mental and moral strength. Mental and moral strength, power of God operating through you that is constrained by love. Your orientation and your motivation as a leader must always be love. That's why it cannot be defensive. It cannot be protecting. You say, well, what do I do when somebody's attacking me? You trust God that he's protecting you. You do not protect self. You say, well, what if I misunderstood? Or what if they, I got, I got to write the record. No, you don't. Because the only record you care about is God's. If you're going to lead, the only record you care about is God's. Everybody else can think what they want. In fact, some days you're going to have to have them think that you're wrong if you're ever going to do what God has called you to do. Leadership is about risk. And again, I'm talking about from our homes to our communities to the church. This is not about an office. This is about a mode of thinking. Am I going to change the world? Am I going to have an impact upon the world? If you are, it can't be about you. It has to be about others. This is why our insecurities have got to be put under the blood. This is why our past has to be submitted to the ever-loving God who will help us. It cannot be about you. There is a power. And for some reason, God doesn't always constrain that power. He leaves it in our hands. There is abuse in leadership. It's wrong. People are hurt by it. And I don't know why God, I don't know if it's the whole piece of choice. and I don't know why. But he doesn't seem to fix it all. Because even if somebody abuses power towards me, God's still looking at me and saying, how are you going to lead? How are you going to lead? In the midst of a leader exercising power in an inappropriate way, how are you going to deal with it? It becomes a manner and an opportunity for us to lead by our example, to lead by how we operate. How do you treat others when they've done you wrong. All of us get angry. All of us get the fight or flight. All of us get those feelings and aggravations. I'm a quick thinker, okay? I think on my feet. And most times that serves me well. But I've learned over the years if I'm not smart, 
There are certain occasions where I best not think on my feet. I best buy myself some time. And I found that it's not because I got to figure out what I was going to say or how I was going to respond. I'm usually spot on on those. The problem is, is how I was going to say it changes if I give myself time. That's why those of you that are true speakers like me, true speakers tend to speak quickly. That's just my opinion. But true speakers tend to speak quickly. We open our mouths very quickly. The problem is, is in certain circumstances, if you open your mouth without giving yourself time to bring it into constraint by love and to be guided by prudence, wisdom, you'll hurt somebody. You'll hurt people. Now, if you'll take responsibility for it, you'll only do it a few times. Because it's costly. It hurts. If you really love and if you really care, it'll hurt. And that's where leadership is so essential that even when you blow it, and you will blow it, then own it. Make it right. Don't minimize it. Don't give excuse for it. Learn how to apologize without explanation. Do you know how you apologize without explanation? Just that. You apologize and don't give any explanation. I am sorry that I did X, Y, or Z. I was wrong. It doesn't matter if they forgive you or not. Doesn't matter what they do. Because if you apologize, you have taken ownership. And not only will you have made it right, you won't do that too many times. It hurts too bad. But every time we excuse ourselves, every time that we tell ourselves, well, I, I, I didn't, I, 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 you got to understand why I did it. Doesn't matter why you did it. Did you do wrong or not? Did you miss the mark or not? And I missed the mark. You don't believe me? Talk to my family. I just had one this week. Blew it big. Took stuff in my own life, put it on somebody else. Got to own it. Now hear me very carefully. Remember that quiet voice? If you're going to lead here, you own it. You don't wiggle it. You don't excuse it. You don't rationalize it. You own it. Because what happens is, is that's the optimal environment in which someone can forgive you. That's the optimal environment in which you won't make that mistake again. You'll slow down. If the gift God has called you to fulfill within his body, that place within the body, is to be fulfilled, you're going to have to blow it. We tell, we tell quizzers, if you want to win, you got to miss questions. You cannot become an extraordinary quizzer. I mean, you got to study, too. That's a big prerequisite. But even if you study and you know all your material, if you will not miss a question, you will not become the quizzer you need to be. Dear leader, hear me today. 
If you're going to stir up the spiritual gift that God has placed in your life, where he's leading you and guiding you, you are going to have to deal with this fear of failure. Because if you're afraid, you're either going to fight or run. And neither one have mental and moral strength. I, I, I get in trouble all the time. Can I use this one example? I know it, you, it makes you really mad, Reg, when I do it. But I'm just putting myself on blast. Because I, I married an extraordinarily bright woman. Like, way beyond my brain power. Okay? Way beyond brain power. Who was clapping? That was Meg. I thought it was Meg. I just wanted to confirm. I knew there was a reason I liked you, Meg. But Regina, Regina's fearful. And so there's times when I'm walking with my wife through life, I look at her and I go, and I never understood why I said it this way, but I do now, because that, that language is literally from the Greek. I say, you're mentally weak. Oh, that really, that made me a very popular husband, Yes. She'd look daggers at me. And I wasn't talking about brain power. It's this strength to neither fight nor run. It's to settle into that pocket, draw upon the power that you know God gave to you, harness it up to love. Love always looks at the other as more important. Go read uh, 1 Corinthians 13, and you'll see what it says. Love is not about self. Love is always about the other. You harness that power up to love, and then you have it be guided by prudence and wisdom. Now, some of you may say, well, I don't have wisdom. Well, I don't always have wisdom either, but we got a great scripture. You all know it, right? If you lack wisdom, pray for it. Ask your Father in heaven to give it to you, and he will give it to you liberally. Boy, that sounds like a deal. If you're lacking wisdom, if you'll slow down, if you'll take the power instead of the weakness, with all due respect to my dear wife who I love dearly and who gets really mad at me when I say that, don't stay in the weakness. Step up. You can't lead unless you figure out how to move out of that place of I'm going to fight or I'm going to flight. You have to step into that pocket. Draw upon the power of Almighty God because the power lies in your calling. God never asks us to do anything that he does not imbue us with the power to fulfill. You may not have the power in yourself, but in him you can do all things. You can do this. Harness it to love. Let love constrain it. And then guide it by the wisdom that comes from God. Think of the things we have discussed over the last Six weeks. Things that Paul told Timothy, a young man, to do. They were big things. They were things that I think it's safe to say were beyond Timothy's ability. But I believe this verse in the second letter, in which Paul reminds Timothy to fan into flames this calling, the spiritual gift 
that God gave you. You have the ability to do what God has called you to do. And it is not dependent upon how others respond to you. How they respond may impact the outcome, but not the ultimate destination. Several years back, my wife and I were, well, our first trip to Africa, the Lord gave her a word that we have held on to in multiple places over the last few years where he said, I am doing something in your lives, speaking of the two of us, and no human can stop it. Now, we think, oh, he's just going to pile drive every human in our way. But that's not what he said. He said they can affect the path, but they cannot affect the ultimate outcome. That's why I don't have to fight or run. I can stay in the pocket. That's a sports analogy. For those of you that understand sports, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You stay right in the pocket. And you operate out of the power of God that he gave you. Not your own power. And not the acceptance and affirmation of others. God's power. And you harness it up to love. And you let it be guided by wisdom. Because God has given us everything we need to fulfill the gifts and the calling that he's given to us. There's not a single thing that we need beyond what he's already provided. Don't be fearful. Don't be fearful. You will be fearful. Figure out how to stop, whether it's fight or flight. Settle in to the power Constrain it by love so you don't hurt people with it. You don't use it for your own purposes. And I let it be guided by wisdom, by prudence that comes from him. Can the church say amen? amen. Praise God. I'm right on time. Asher.